1: Click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do. And you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from Timcast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Tucker Carlson made a bold prediction while speaking with Adam Carolla. He said that in order to defeat Donald Trump in 2024, Democrats will start a hot war with Russia. In the event that such a thing occurs, my friends, we are probably looking at World War III, because any kind of conflict between the US and Russia would likely trigger. Well, actually, no, it literally would trigger Article five of NATO pulling basically all of Europe into a conflict with Russia. Of course, Russia being a part of the BRICS nations would then call on its allies and uh, welcome to the fray. Now, I think Tucker Carlson is mostly wrong here for one simple reason. Now, in essence, he's correct. I mean, it's a bold prediction. It may or may not happen. I don't know. But what I mean to say is, we are already at war with Russia, just not formally declared in any such way that triggers various treaties and, say, Article 5 of NATO. In which case, Tucker should probably say they will formally declare war on Russia. And if this prediction is true, oh boy, you know what this means? It does not mean that Joe Biden comes out and says, the war crimes that we've seen happening in the Donbass must, uh, must be stopped. Vladimir Putin must be held accountable. no, 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 no. My friends, in order to justify a US declaration of war on Russia, you will need an attack on a NATO nation. Could be the United States, could be Poland. Poland being particularly close to the conflict. There's a lot of concerns. Uh, it could, that could be the case not to mention you have, you know, Latvia, Estonia, etc. And now we have the story about a drone strike in Moscow, one of the most severe Russia is blaming on Ukraine. And there's questions about where the drone strike may have originated from, because if it did originate from a NATO nation, then ladies and gentlemen, welcome to World War III. Russia under attack by NATO declares formal war or reaches out to China and says, now's the time. The US being split in various uh, combat theaters, such as the Pacific and Eastern Europe, China takes its opportunity to move on Taiwan. And welcome to the fray. You know, we've got a lot of uh, uh, military operations happening in Australia right now, and this is not a coincidence. It looks like we're gearing up for a major escalation to war. The question, I suppose, is Tucker Carlson correct? Well, it's hard to know for sure. I mean, saying that there's gonna be a hot war with Russia to stop Trump. I can see that happening. In my mind, I see this as a decent probability. That doesn't mean it's an overt. It's not a guarantee. It's not a foregone conclusion. Maybe decent probability just means seven percent, but it's there. It's like looking at that roulette wheel spinning around that balls going around and you got two spots on that wheel that says war, war. Now, there's a bunch of things that could happen, but I think war may be one of them. Why? Let me let me read uh, uh, for you what Tucker Carlson said, and then I'll explain why I believe he's actually making a really good point. There's, There's a complicated view to what 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 this is, but it makes a lot of sense. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson predicted a hot war with Russia would be used by opponents of former President Trump to beat him in 2024. He says they will do anything to win. So how do they do that? They're not going to do covid again. Whoever on the right is afraid they're going to do covid and mask mandates. They're not going to do that. They can't do that. They've already been exposed. That won't work. There's going to be no what they're going to do. What are they going to do? They're going to go to war with Russia is what they're going to do. There will be a hot war between the United States and Russia in the next year. It's more than that. He says they need to declare war footing in order to assume war powers in order to win. I believe that. And I think the evidence suggests that's true. So if you're worried about our politics getting like even more vicious than it already is and people being hurt in our politics, which is entirely possible, you should be worried about the prospect of an open. We're already at war with Russia, of course. You see, he knows this. We're, we're funding their enemies. So we're fighting Russia. But I mean, an open battle with Russia where we say we're at war with Russia. I think that could easily happen, you know. I think we could take, uh, we could Tonkin Gulf, <laughs> Tonkin Gulf our way into it. Where all of a sudden, missiles land in Poland. The Russians did it. Our NATO allies been attacked. We're going to war. I can see that happening very easily. I completely agree with Tucker. I completely agree. Daily Caller mentions the Biden administration announced in July plans to send Ukraine M864 155 millimeter artillery shells known as dual purpose uh, improved conventional munitions, which dispense smaller explosive weapons over an area to attack personnel and vehicles. Cluster munitions are controversial due to the risk posed by dud submunitions that could cause harm to civilians long after conflict is over. You also got the U.K., Sending depleted uranium sh- uh, uh, tank busters, which Russia says is the use of nuclear weapons. Oh, boy. Let me break down a little bit and get into what Tucker is saying. I mean, he's right. It's not so much that Democrats are so unhinged that they must defeat Trump and they will go to war to do it. It's that Democrats want to go to war and it is an opportunity to defeat Donald Trump war powers will give Joe Biden tremendous, tremendous political edge. There's a lot they can do. There's going to be universal mail in voting. They're going to executive decree ballot harvesting legal everywhere and say, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a serious crisis, blah, blah. They can make up whatever reason they want using emergency declared war powers, and people will be terrified. Here's the real scary thing. Tucker mentions it. A missile strike in Poland. And then it's, oh, no, now we must go to war. I think it could be worse than that. In order to get the U.S. to in order to actually build up public support and be warned, this matters, they will try to trick you, he says, Tonkin Gulf, y'all know what that is, the Gulf of Tonkin incident where the U.S. lied about an attack on one of our ships to justify entering the Vietnam War. Now, that generated a lot of uh, public support, but uh, not enough. And there wasn't enough public support, so ultimately what ends up happening is you get mass protests, and then eventually the U.S. is forced to evacuate. We, you know, ask a historian, did we lose, whatever, the fall of Saigon? There's, there's, there's a lot uh, I don't know about when it comes to, to, to uh, Vietnam, but I don't, I, we did not do well. We got defeated for the most part. I think that's, that's fair to say. What would the U.S. need in order to justify overwhelming public support For an attack on Russia and an escalation into direct NATO Russia conflict. Americans would need to die. So what happens? Well, maybe a missile hits Poland and it kills a bunch of American soldiers. No, I don't see it. I don't see that being enough. I think it's going to have to be some kind of large scale strike, which Russia would dare not do, which means the likelihood would be if the U.S. does want to enter a conflict, they need a false flag attack. Of course, you all know what false flags are. Like I mentioned, the Gulf of Tonkin, that was a false flag. You attack yourself, you lie about or exaggerate something that happened to you and blame your enemy. Then you muster up public support. Imagine here in the United States, a, uh, let's say a water reclamation plant blows up, disabling water for 200,000, 300,000 people. Crisis. But it's, it's on it's on par with East Palestine, a major disaster. Biden rushes in by helicopter and he says, my fellow Americans, it is clear that this plant was taken out by an act of sabotage by Russian forces, a cyber attack. Evidence points to blah, blah, blah. Then the experts come on and say, we believe the attack originated from insert country, a group known as this that has has taken credit for it. And it'll be a false flag. Now, I don't know exactly what happens. But then you'll have people in the city screaming, demanding help. Biden flustered, saying we are doing everything we can. You know, you take a look at Maui and how much money they sent to Maui. Very little. You take a look at how much money they sent to Ukraine. What will happen in the event of a false flag? Don't be surprised if they send tons of money to this disaster site because it is effectively the Ukraine war effort. You'll then get some government response saying we are desperately trying to deliver supplies to this metropolitan area. Maybe it's a town of 300,000 and their water is completely shut off. Emergency trucks coming in. And then we hear that people are dying Uh, or or something like this happens. An industrial sabotage through the Internet, a cyber attack. Now, I don't know that that will happen. I am not suggesting it will happen. I'm saying consider the possibility that you will be lied to. I'm sure the media is going to run wild and be like conspiracy theorists, blah, blah, blah. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a hypothetical scenario. I am not literally saying it is going to happen. I'm saying one potentiality based on history, such as the Gulf of Tonkin incident, would be the U.S. exaggerating or falsely claiming it has been attacked. Why? They've done it before. Based on history, I suggest there is a probability it could happen. There's also another probability. We are at war with Russia, and Russia does decide enough. The U.S. is supplying weapons to Ukraine, and it's time for a strategic strike. That's also a real possibility.
2: It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late assistance help with flats lockouts and rental car options save 20% and get a free quote by visiting Carshield online at carshield.com/carlson don't wait for the next surprise Choose peace of mind with Carshield go to carshield.com/carlson and save 20% today
1: And maybe we've already been attacked. There was a cyber attack on, on oil infrastructure. You guys remember this? We talked about it last night in Tim Kest IRL. Gas pipeline was shut down due to um, ransomware. That's scary. Ransomware shutting down the grid, shutting down our, our, our energy production. And then what? Ladies and gentlemen, war were declared. Tucker may be right. We are going to see something truly tremendous so that they can stop Donald Trump. You know why? Oh, boy. Because of this story. From Mediate, you have no choice. Trump tells Glenn Beck he will absolutely lock people up if returned to the White House. Do you believe that they will allow Donald Trump to come in and arrest them? Yeah, come on. But I don't know what's going to happen. Let me lay it out very simply. There is a real possibility of war. There is a real possibility of conventional, straightforward military conflict. The U.S. has not formally declared war against Russia, but anyone with a brain knows that we are at war with Russia. I don't even think it's fair to call it a proxy war. We have there are U.S. citizens on the ground fighting in Ukraine. U.S. military personnel, special forces are in Ukraine providing logistical support. We are supplying weapons to Ukraine. NATO is supplying weapons to Ukraine. You do not get to. I mean, imagine how absurd this is to have a to to effectively hire a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, maybe even ten thousand people to fight on your behalf. Give them a bunch of weapons, command them, tell them what to do, and then say, "But it's not us." I'm not talking about Ukrainians. I'm talking about U.S. volunteers and and PMCs that are actively on the ground. Yeah, sorry. Russia knows what's going on. It's just, it's this. You know, I we live in this world where people are trapped beneath this wall of rigid norms. They can't see through. The example I often give is how people think contracts are are law and definitive. Yeah, let me just remind you for the end of the time. You can have a contract with someone that is ironclad and a judge can say, nah, and rip it in half. It's meaningless. It's open to interpretation because we are humans. This idea that warfare must be Congress issues a declaration of war. The president then agrees. It's not, it's not been that way since World War II the president does exactly what he wants when he wants doesn't matter so for russia when they are looking at us citizens private military contractors with us weapons and us logistics and the flagship of their black sea fleet is blown up because of us intel and us weapons do you think russia's being like well it was us uh, weapons it it was the us that gave the intelligence to the individual who pressed the button uh, but to be fair it was a Ukrainian guy who pressed that button. Yeah, sure. Put it, a, a, a US intel officer grabbing the hand of a Ukrainian and mashing the button with it does not change the fact that the US blew up Russia's flagship in the Black Sea. Donald Trump accuses Biden of cheating election interference over DOJ prosecutions. Well, this one's obvious. We know it. So the only thing I think that actually may stop world war III, civil war in the united states that's an interesting question but if the us starts to rip itself to pieces well i'm sorry the us is ripping itself to pieces and if it escalates to factional conflict there's not going to be there's not going to be us efforts overseas it would it would, it would be we'd be done we would not have the capabilities to command such, such infrastructure i wonder if russia and china know this and uh, I assume they do. To be fair. There's a lot I don't know. I have a cursory understanding of what is currently happening. I have a surface level understanding because I'm a I am a human being who lives in the United States and simply reads the news. And there are people in Russia and the U.S. who have access to secrets, secrets we do not know about. Russia probably knows more about what's going on in the U.S. than you do. Fact, because the news doesn't report a lot of things. I mean, in that interview with Tucker Carlson, he says that Obama gay and that Obama does crack. Okay. And that was known, but nobody wanted to report on it because you'd get cut off from the campaign and then you could lose your job. Okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe I guess we had that letter come out that said Obama, you know, fantasize about banging dudes Hey, more power to him. You know, I got no beef. I'm just saying there are things you probably don't know about that are true. And I don't know where, where, uh, where we ultimately end up without access to that knowledge. I can only make predictions based on what the news says. that being said, you take a look at TikTok. You take a look at the Eugenia Cooney thing where she's like morbidly ill skinny on the verge of death and she's getting 8 million views. TikTok is absolutely promoting I don't know how to describe it. It is cultural influence that is warping and shattering the minds of young people. Overt groomers and pedophiles on the platform, poisoning the minds of children, morbidly obese individuals encourage encouraging people to eat garbage and harm themselves. It's just all of this content is actively encouraging self harm. Imagine a US media apparatus that said, Hey, kids, do you want to be a big influencer and get a million followers every day? Do 10 push ups when you wake up, run a mile, and eat healthy. Don't forget to eat a high protein diet, eat your vegetables. None of that. They're saying eat ice cream, be fat, and don't have kids. That's what they're getting from social media. Chinese owned social media. So I think they're well aware. What prevents war? Trump is accusing Biden of cheating. He's he's right. (laughs) There's no question about it. In the event conflict erupts in the United States. And man, I just got to tell you. We are so blind to what it could, would and probably will look like if conflict erupts. And everyone just assumes all the time. You're going to get like Florida Ronda's is coming up like we're going to be seceding from the union. We voted and it's over. That's just never going to happen. The U.S. is split. There is a constitutional republic currently battling a multicultural democracy. Multicultural democracy, of course, means cult. It means zealotry, means f- fall in line or we punish you. And the constitutional republic basically means live and let live and let's work together and then, you know, compromise so that we can live together. The multicultural democracy has no uh, has no illusions of such a thing working or existing in their grand system. So what happens? Tucker Carlson says they'll start a hot war with Russia. We're already at war with Russia. He's correct. And uh, but they'll formally declare. That won't be possible if the U.S. is embroiled in internal conflict. Here's something people need to understand about the revolution the U.S. War for Independence. It was a long time coming. It was a 20 year period. The Constitution didn't come about till something like 10 plus years after the Revolutionary War. It wasn't until the uh, Treaty of Paris that the U.S. formally gained their independence. And you can make the argument. The argument is the U.S. gained its independence in 1776 with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But uh, I don't think so. I think mean, that's wrong. Why? If the Founding Fathers signed the Declaration of Independence and then Britain came in and just massacred them all and took the land back, the Declaration of Independence would be nothing but a terrorist decree. And the history of this country would be that the the crown quashed extremists who are trying to overthrow the government in an insurrection. So it wasn't until we won the war with the treaty and signed the Treaty of Paris that we were actually an independent nation. Amazing. Anyway, what could happen? Well, in the event that there is some kind of internal conflict, history will be written in very interesting ways. But it will be impossible for us to maintain a war with Russia if we're fighting ourselves, which is why I bring up the American War for Independence. There are a couple reasons why the colonists won. Do you believe that the uh, colonists won through sheer grit and determination, passion for a cause that the British did not have? This fundamental belief that we are imbued by our creators with inalienable rights, and with that passion marching behind us, we defeated the right goats. You're wrong. Do you believe that we mounted a guerrilla war where we jumped out from the bushes and, and, and attacked the British as they marched blindly through the fields? Wrong. Yeah, it's much more complicated than that. Well, those things certainly play a role, let me tell you. The UK, uh, Great Britain, I believe the time was embroiled in war in Europe. And so they were split and unable to maintain active conflict in the colonies. They tried. France came to the aid. The French intervention assisted the US in their war against Great Britain and the crown. Why? France didn't care about whether the colonies were independent, they were at war. They said, we need help to defeat the British. These guys are fighting the British in the colonies. Let's assist them and take out a key economic component of the of the crown of the British crown. There were a lot of other factors that played a role. It was external funding that assisted the, the, the colonists in their war against the crown. And, and also this idea that the, that the uh, colonies fought a guerrilla war is just not true. Well, it does play a component in the war. For the most part, the American war for independence was conventional with the Continental Army marching in the fields and firing the same as the British, the redcoats were doing. I do think it's funny that it was like blue versus red. It's like they're wearing red and we're wearing blue. Got to know who each other, uh, who, who we are. But but, you know, there's a morsel of truth to all of this. My point, the U.S. will struggle to maintain a war with Russia. And at this point, I'm not sure it's possible. So this is my uh, part counter to what Tucker Carlson said. I believe he makes a good point that they would do something like this. But if the U.S. were to declare formal war, even if there was a 9-11 style attack on the U.S. or a NATO ally, this country would implode. I do not see a scenario where Joe Biden could muster up public support for us to engage in active war with Russia, effectively triggering World War Three you know, it may occur. I think about people like Ben Shapiro. Ben's a reasonable guy. He's a very reasonable guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are mad that he's very and doesn't like Trump. No, but I think Ben's a reasonable guy. And when you see something like the George Floyd incident, Ben comes out and says, like, this is bad. He's correct because he's trying to be just and reasonable. He's trying to call out injustice while still being a reasonable, good person. The left, of course, calls him a fascist and other nonsense like that's stupid. The left will cry and whinge over George Floyd, but then completely ignore any other circumstance outside of their sphere of influence. They don't care at all about David Dorn. But Ben Shapiro will say, you know, injustice is is injustice. So why I bring him up in the event that there is a major attack on U.S. forces, NATO allies or a U.S. piece of infrastructure that results in thousands of U.S. dead. Ben's the kind of guy to probably say we can't allow Putin to do this The United States does not just roll over and and let our people be killed. Yeah. He would not be wrong. And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I'm saying he's the kind of guy who's going to just immediately be like, no, like conflict in the United States and culture war is not is less material than the fact that we were attacked. You would get a decent amount of support from Democrats and establishment conservatives for war with Russia in this event. However, the more libertarian factions, populist factions will say no. We should not have been involved in the conflict in the first place. It is our uh, intrusion into a border conflict in Europe, which has exacerbated the problem. And the solution is not to make more war, but to stop. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. that's eight, seven, seven, six, four, six, five, three, four, seven. Here's a potential. In the event the U.S. does go to war with Russia for any reason, you may have insurgent factions in the United States. Just outright say this is an illegitimate government going to war. You would see partisan conflict in the U.S. Because you've got people who don't want World War III. Now, what does that look like? I don't know, 10 or 15 guys in a small town in the middle of nowhere rejecting federal authority. I've talked about it before. People need to understand it is not out of the question for like five. guys. Let's 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 play this game. People on the right don't believe the Whitmer kidnapping plot because the FBI was heavily involved with informants and they were encouraging it to happen. And yeah, we know those stories. We had one of the individuals on who, who explained how. They actually didn't even know where they were going. And the informant was the one who was supposed to be giving them the address. FBI was setting the whole thing up and they even went to the wrong place and that hurt their case in court. So we know they do that. But to the left, certainly you must imagine if that's possible, then what I'm saying is entirely possible. What happens if you get five dudes who are just like, that's it. We're not going to be involved in this. And then they just stop adhering to federal decree and federal authority. And they start acting as though the federal government has no authority. They have no confidence. It starts it starts there very small. And then if these things erupt in small pockets of seriously only a handful of people, this is what I I try to explain to people. The federal government does not have the capability to quell 300, let's say, let's let's say 300 uh, small areas of the country where a handful of guys are just like we're going to do our own thing and they start rejecting federal law. They start uh, acting as though the federal government. Let's take a look at the West where the the Bureau of Land Management controls a lot. Let's say you, you get Ammon Bundy times 300. And it's not an issue of conflict. It's an issue of people just being like, I don't care anymore. We need secure resources for our community. The government would not be able to do anything about it. They don't have the resources that's the kind of thing that can escalate to major conflict. The Bundy thing's scary because the federal government comes out and they start torturing and imprisoning these guys. But what happens when you get 100 more of them? They can't. They can't do anything about it. What happens when everybody knows what the federal government has done with the January Sixers and with what they do with Bundy is illegitimate? What happens when people finally say, "Now we're not going to allow it? There is always an opportunity for escalation, which we, we desperately want to avoid. I remember that story like 10 years ago or whatever, or longer, where that guy, in I think it was in New Hampshire, refused to pay taxes and they surrounded his house. That's crazy. And what happens if that, what happens if we get 100 of those all at once? The federal government does not have the law enforcement capabilities to actually quell any of that. And then if they actually get into an armed conflict and someone dies, now you're going to get more propaganda and that, that could bubble up. It's hard to know what will happen. I don't know what will happen. There's all of these potentials around us, but it's fair to say that a lot of people think we are walking into World War III. World War Three may have already started and that this election is going to be bedlam. They're already trying to remove Trump's name from the ballot now in Arizona. What do you think happens? I don't know. I just hope that you are responsible, nonviolent and preparing to protect your family however you need to with food, resources, water. There could be looters. Who knows? but I'm just telling you, I think Tucker is right. And we'll see. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. And so it continues. Now, Donald Trump has entered in his not guilty plea in Fulton County, but he will not appear for arraignment. We have an image of his sworn statement saying that he will plead not guilty. And as this is going down on the other side, there is a conversation about Potentially asking the question, should we inquire as to whether or not Biden should be impeached? I love the Republican Party. That was sarcasm, in case you didn't notice. But there is talk now that Joe Biden may actually be impeached after Labor Day. I'm not going to hold my breath, and I want to see a real clear case for impeachment. Now, we know about Burisma, we know about these illicit business dealings, we know about Joe Biden's aliases, but were these things undertaken as he is currently president. More importantly, I believe the impeachment against Joe Biden should focus on his instructing A.G. Merrick Garland to indict Donald Trump. This is overt election interference, asking the DOJ to dig up dirt on his political opponent so that he can cheat in an election. Now, we don't know what exactly is going to happen with 2024, but looking at the data and the favorability, I want to go through some of these polls and there's more information that will be tacked on to the segment. It's not just about Trump's guilty plea or Biden being impeached, but the, the real economic impacts of what Biden is doing and what's to come. Biden's forgiving more student loan debt. He doesn't have the authority to do it, but he's trying anyway. And there are questions about whether or not when student loan repayments kick back in and all of a sudden all of these young people have to start paying money that they don't have, will that lead to a crisis? We're now hearing that auto loans and credit card debt are going, uh, delinquencies are on the rise. What this means is, for one, uh, consider it a warning. The market may be in trouble. But, you know, and that means like prices will go up and jobs will evaporate. But more importantly, it means that Joe Biden might just lose on the economic issues alone. Well, let's get started here with Donald Trump entering his not guilty plea. Before we do, my friends, head over to TimCast.com. <clears throat> Click TimCast IRL X Miami in the menu bar and get your tickets to our event featuring Donald Trump Jr., Patrick Bet, David, Matt Gates, and Luke Rutkowski. <clears throat> Excuse me. This event will be October 6th. Uh, it will go from 6 to 1030 p.m. It will be uh, live. We're going to have a pre-show. Only in person. Then we're going to do IRL live with these wonderful gentlemen. And then afterwards, we'll have a Q&A session with the audience. There's going to be swag that we're going to give out. The event is sponsored by Public Square. We are huge fans of Public Square. Help build that parallel economy and push back against people who hate your values. And we hope to see you in Miami. It's going to be awesome. We're also planning a uh, Timcast Elite Members Meetup, which we'll have more information on at the very last minute. So if you're an elite member who finds yourself in town, we're going to keep these details close to the chest uh, to prevent, you know, stalkers and weirdos, but uh, just have something cool for you guys. Let's read the news from CBS News. Former President Donald Trump has entered a not guilty plea to 13 Georgia felony counts related to an alleged scheme to overturn the election. An attorney for Trump filed a waiver of arraignment in a Fulton County court Thursday. Several others among Trump's 18 co-defendants in the case have also fired, filed similar waivers and entered not guilty pleas. Now we have the image in question. Ed Krasenstein on Twitter with his engagement driving post has the images Trump's uh, waiver. Let's check it out. State of Georgia v. Donald Trump, President Trump's entry of plea of not guilty and waiver of appearance at arraignment. I, President Donald Trump, hereby acknowledge that I am the defendant named above and I received a copy of the indictment in this case. I understand I have a right to... I have the right to appear personally at my arraignment, and then I have the right to have the indictment read to me in open court. I've discussed the charges in the indictment of this waiver of appearance at arraignment with my attorney, Stephen H. Sadow, and I fully understand the nature of the offenses charged and my right to appear at arraignment. Understanding my rights, I do hereby freely and voluntarily waive my right to be present at my arraignment on the indictment and my right to have it read to me in open court. As evidenced by my signature below, I do hereby waive formal arraignment and enter my plea of not guilty to the indictment in this case. Well, there you go, my friends. That's where we are currently at. <clears throat> Ed Crescentine asks Breaking. Donald Trump has just pleaded not guilty in the Fulton County, Georgia election interference case. He waived arraignment. Ultimately, we should presume Trump is innocent until proven guilty. If he's proven guilty, we should respect the rule of law. No one is above the rule of law. No one should escape it just because they were once present. Agree? Uh, y- yes and no. I believe that impeachment must come first. That's the the general consensus that a president will take unilateral authority. I mean, the president is the head of the executive branch. So technically, in many ways, they're above the law. But that doesn't mean that they can't be held accountable. It means that presidents often do things we don't like, but they don't get arrested for it. If the president commits a crime, he must be impeached and convicted. And then we can question criminal charges. In the case of Donald Trump, if it is so that what he did constituted a crime, he needs to be impeached. Yes, you can impeach after the fact because he did this during his uh, uh, as an executive officer of the United States. If you look at it, let's let's play this game. Donald Trump is uh, sitting in the White House when he gets word that there is a, a federal election for which he is not a part of. And there's questions of fraud. Donald Trump then goes to them and says, I want you to look into this X, Y and Z, talks to his lawyers, talk to talks to the assistant, uh, the uh, acting assistant attorney general, as well as his chief of staff and says, what do we do here? We got to get to the bottom of this. They would not be charging him with a crime. That would be his official duties as an executive in this country to investigate crime, right? To instruct the DOJ and to seek legal advice as to how we remedy potential voter fraud or election issues. In this instance, it just so happens that he was part of this election as well. But I still argue that if he's acting in his official duties, I believe Mark Meadows is making this exact argument, in which case he needs to be impeached and convicted. So do it. Instead, state charges. They're playing dirty. It's a dirty game that they are playing. We'll see where that ends up. In the meantime, on the other side, there's questions of whether or not Joe Biden will be impeached and i love the language used by the gop because for the past several weeks the questions have been should we ask the question should we launch an inquiry into impeachment i love the absurdity of the lies they push and then the media will report will report something like impeachment talk has begun and it's like oh okay what they're really saying is they'll convene a meeting and they'll ask among themselves should we investigate An impeachment, and upon the conclusion of that investigation, then we ask, should he be impeached? It's just nonsense. But you get it. But here's where we're currently at. The conversation is at least slowly advancing. And to be fair, I want to be hopeful. Perhaps the real issue is that the GOP is trying to wait as long as possible. You look at what Democrats did. They could have brought these charges against Trump two years ago. They did not do it. They waited until the election cycle begins so that they can have Trump brought, dragged into a trial right before Super Tuesday. They want to try to, get, try to get his name removed from the ballot. The Hill reports, Rep. Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, said Tuesday that the chances of an impeachment inquiry into President Biden and his family are looking more and more likely. I do think it's looking more and more likely that we move to what's, what's called an impeachment inquiry phase of our oversight investigations relative to the Bidens. And frankly, the Department of Justice. Jordan, uh, also a House Oversight Committee member, said on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fila. On Sunday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said in Fox News that an impeachment inquiry is a natural step forward after the House Republican led investigations into the Biden family. So if you look at all the information we have been able to gather so far, it is a natural step forward that you would have to get to an impeachment inquiry. They have nothing. Uh, so, yes, House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries criticized Republicans, saying, they have nothing to show for, uh, for their majority throughout the year, Jeffrey said on CNN. And so as a natural consequence of that, they just continue to take orders from Trump. All right, you guys ready? Civil War. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. I said it. I hope you guys were already. It's a little early, perhaps, to be drinking. But let me explain. There are a lot of arguments to be made about what can lead to a civil war. And I'm kind of just saying it because it's the meme at this point. But what I mean to say is both political parties don't have much to campaign on. We were mentioning this last night that if you're not engaged in the culture wars, you're not engaged in politics because the culture wars are politics. And many of us on YouTube over the past 10 years warned this would be the case, that it may be 20 something, you know, 10 years ago. It's like you may be 26, 27 years old. But if you're seeing this stuff right now, it will be mainstream politics in 10 years because this is where we're at and our minds aren't being changed. Our minds are already here. So understand this the Democrats aren't campaigning on anything, they're just saying Trump bad. The Republicans right now can't really do much with a thin majority other than investigations and impeachment, which means this election comes down to one thing not so much the economy, not so much gas prices, but increasingly, how much do you hate the other guy? How much? are you willing to go up against them and when you have rival political factions or political umbrellas with dis- with with disparate factions between them when the only thing your politics is is uh, is are we against them now it's one thing when we can disagree on abortion and stuff like that and taxes but we all agreed we were a country it's another thing when one side says the other side is evil and that's what everyone is doing Now, of course, you may say to yourself, but I'm on the right side and I'm good. And yeah, fine. So be it. Everybody thinks they're the good guys. Obviously, I and most of you probably assume that the Democrats are evil, trying to grasp power and desperate to stop Trump from winning. My view is more so Trump's not a perfect guy. He's actually bad for a lot of reasons. He's crass. He's crude. And there's great reasons to hate him. But if the people vote for him, then he's the president. Have a nice day. That's called duly electing a representative. But the Democrats don't like the idea because they're shocked and offended. As better men, they should be the ones telling you how to live. They'll lie, cheat, and steal to get there. So they don't want Trump to win, and they will have him removed. In the meantime, you have an actual corrupt Joe Biden in the White House telling Merrick Garland to go after Trump. That is the key reason he should be impeached. Now, the White House warns Biden impeachment will backfire. Yeah, I really don't think so. I got to be honest, people may not like Donald Trump and you can take that one to the bank. Don't care. But yeah, ain't nobody going to be defending Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to be impeached and the Democrats on the left are going to be like, OK, sure, there ain't nothing to get. Don't get me wrong. There's going to be libs, and they're going to defend them. And the Krasensteins will defend Joe Biden and say it's an unjust political persecution. While at the same time, they're like, but Donald Trump is being indicted. Yes, yeah, spare me, dude. You want to play this game? We play this game. The question actually is whether or not there will be a real indictment of this guy. In this tweet from ALX, he says James Comer says he is pretty confident that the House will launch an impeachment inquiry to Joe Biden after Labor Day and that he feels that everyone in the Republican conference sees now they have no choice but to move forward. Let me play that clip. And Biden after Labor Day? Let's start over. Will, let's move on to this. Will her- Republicans launch an impeachment. Inquiry oh, I'm sorry. I totally screwed that one up. I got to set the audio properly. You probably noticed it was very quiet. You see, I'm just what am I doing over here?
3: Chair Comer will let's move on to this. Will House Republicans launch an impeachment inquiry into President Biden after Labor Day? I feel pretty confident we will. I had a long conversation with Speaker McCarthy yesterday. You look at what we found just in the last 10 days with respect to not only the president having pseudonyms in 5400 emails but also copying his son and some of them pertaining to ukraine that ties joe biden to hunter biden to firing the prosecutor for no good reason in ukraine only to save hunter from uh, being investigated for corruption in ukraine we also have learned that uh, hunter biden flew with his father on air force 2 15 times wow. at least uh, this hasn't been uh, something that Joe Biden has admitted to in the past. He's only said a few times, did his son fly on Air Force Two? So the evidence continues to pile in. And one reason that uh, that we've waited thus, this long on impeachment inquiry is to make sure that we had Uh, as much evidence as possible. And getting this evidence is like pulling teeth. No one in the Biden orbit is cooperating with us. The government is obstructing. But yet we're still able to find more evidence. And I think that everyone in the Republican conference sees now that we have no choice but to move towards impeachment
1: inquiry. No choice but to move forward. Well, we will see. We have the story from a couple days ago. McCarthy starts to plot Biden impeachment strategy while GOP skeptics remain. I believe that the appropriate impeachment uh, inquiry should focus on the indictment of Donald Trump at the federal level. This uh, takes out two birds with one stone. Now, uh, far be it for me, I'm not a legal expert nor a political expert. I'm just some dude who reads articles online and complains about things. Fair point. But uh, here's the way I see it. And any of you comment below, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure some of you actually understand the law better than I do. If the Republicans launch an uh, investigation into the federal indictment of Donald Trump, And we know from the New York Times that Joe Biden met with Merrick Garland and told him, as per the reporting, to go after Trump. This looks like you have grounds for impeachment on the weaponization of government. This will strike at the heart of the indictments against Trump, which can quash them. But I don't know if the Republicans want to do that because they don't like Trump. But it also allows you to impeach Joe Biden for effectively the same thing they did to Donald Trump with Ukraine Gate. You say Joe Biden instructed the DOJ to dig up dirt on Trump using novel legal theories to try and win in 2024. And that's it. That's your grounds for impeachment. And of course, he's not going to be convicted, but you do it anyway. I'm not convinced that you are going to have a successful impeachment if you're going after Joe Biden on things he did as vice president. Perhaps the impeachment will be of his tenure as vice president because you can be impeached after the fact. OK, then you can go for criminal charges somewhere else. Fine. Do it. I'll take whatever. But I think right now at the federal level, the appropriate move would probably be this, this digging up dirt on his political opponent in much the same way as Gate. Now, we take a look over at the civics favorability. I like this. You can see that uh, Joe Biden, 53 disapprove, 38 approve with 394,000 responses. And Donald Trump, with 353,000 responses, 58 unfavorable, 36 favorable. So to be fair, Trump ain't doing as uh, as well as Joe Biden, but it ain't saying much. Joe Biden's favorability, his approval rating is 38, and Trump's favorability is 36. So uh, I'm sorry, it's fairly neck and neck. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this ends up playing out as we move forward. Take a look at this from Josh Kroschar. New AP. NORC poll, a whopping seventy seven percent of Americans, sixty nine percent of Democrats say Biden is too old to effectively serve another four-year term as president. That's going to play a role. And then, of course, I'd like you just to consider. I probably should have saved this one for last, but I want to get to the economic stuff. consider. you've got the DOJ not going after Donald Trump. Um, I'm sorry, going after Elon Musk, and you have these pro-life activists who engage in a sit-in facing eleven years in prison. Sornovich of says they're going after everyone. This isn't going to stop. More letters aren't going to stop this. Americans voted to give the GOP a house majority. It's time for Speaker McCarthy to use it. Agreed. And here we go, baby. Biden canceled $72 million in student loan debt for borrowers who went to for-profit Ashford University. Now, I don't care all that much about this particular story, but I can tell you that 72 million ain't doing nothing to the trillion plus dollars in student loan debt that is currently on the books. In the next couple of weeks, we are going to see student loan repayments begin. Many of these young people who are already struggling to buy groceries are going to be punched in the gut by this shift. Oh, boy. So what's going to happen? Default. I, 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 this, I don't know what to do. I mean, is this going to be on par with the 2008 crisis? If it is, Trump wins. I mean, if the economy gets really, really bad, Biden can't hold on. Maybe they'll start a war or something. Hey, Tucker Carlson said that. But think about this. When they restart student loan repay- uh, payments and all of these 26 to 30 year olds have to start paying back their student loans for the first time in like, what, three years? They're not going to be able to. And they're going to say, I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not going to send money into a void. Because as for, as for right now, repaying student loan debt is so far out of their lives. What they're thinking about is rent, gas and food. And I tell you what they're going to choose. If I don't have gas, I can't go to work. If I don't pay the rent, I got nowhere to live. And if I don't buy food, I ain't eaten. So I'm not going to send money to a debt. Go for it. And then what happens? Skyrocketing student loan delinquencies snapping like a dam breaking. Now, I don't know what that means because the student loan system is weird as it is, but maybe it crushes the academic economy. Universities crumble. All of a sudden, people can't get student loans anymore. They can't go to schools. We're going to get a wave of academic jobs collapse, collapsing. And then who knows? I don't know how that ultimately ties to the greater economy. I'm not Michael Burry. I'm not reading about this. But hey, Michael Burry made a big bet against the U.S. economy. And perhaps it's because he's looking at student loan debt. Perhaps it's because he asked the exact same question. When you look at the big short on the housing market, many people saw this coming and they made a lot of money off it. Billions even they said housing loans mortgages are being given out to people with garbage credit they're not going to pay these things back these variable rate mortgages are going to sky- the uh, the payments are going to skyrocket they will able to afford them so what happens delinquencies go through the roof people stop paying for their houses they delinquencies, like as I mentioned and then the mortgage-backed securities collapse and then uh, one by one the system starts crumbling what about student loan debt Same thing. You've got someone like Michael Burry, I imagine, saying they're giving out student loans to anyone regardless of credit under the assumption that once you get a degree, you get a job. But there's no jobs now for these people with degrees and wages are stagnant. They're going to get out of college and they're not going to pay these debts back. The system will crumble. And that's supposed to kick kick uh, kick back on in a couple weeks. Oh, boy. I hope you're ready. Take a look at this tweet from Wall Street Silver. Delinquencies are going higher. More Americans are falling behind on their car loan and credit payments uh, more than any time in the past decade. A troubling signal of consumer stress as higher prices and rising borrowing costs are squeezing household budgets. And you can thank funding war in Ukraine. That's right. Drives prices higher. Delinquencies have started to spike. Now, it looks like they went down. That's probably the pandemic. Consumer loans, credit cards, auto loans, I imagine this uh, next couple of months is going to get rowdy and then kicking off the 2024 cycle. It's going to get bonkers, man. They're going to start banning people, demonetizing people. They are going to throw everything and the kitchen sink in order to stop Donald Trump.
0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So I hope you're
1: all ready for some interesting times. May you live in them. To be fair, if you take a look at the 2008 crisis delinquencies for consumer loans are up 10 percent. Right now, they're currently resting above 5 percent. Go watch the big short, you know, because there's that scene where it's like delinquencies are now around 4 percent. No one thought this could happen. And if it reaches 8, we're in trouble. We're at 5.5 and rising. This will get interesting. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Oliver Anthony joined Joe Rogan on the biggest podcast in the world, The Joe Rogan Experience, and they roasted Rain Wilson and uh, that's his name, right? Rain Wilson, yeah. And uh, uh, Millionaires Talking Ish. I love this from The Daily Caller. Millionaires Talking Ish. Oliver Anthony and Joe Rogan respond to backlash from The Office Star. The Office actor Rain Wilson, known for his roles as Dwight Schrute, said Anthony's song, Richmond North of Richmond, Should have been written about CEOs who make 400 times their average worker's salary and pay little to nothing in taxes. He said, if I were writing a song about rich men north of Richmond, I wouldn't talk about these people on welfare. I'd sing about CEOs who make 400 times their average worker's salary up from 50 times 30 years ago and corporations that pay zero taxes and offshore tax shelters for billionaires. There is nothing funnier than millionaires talking ish about billionaires. Rogan said in an episode published Wednesday, there's nothing funnier than millionaires pretending that these billionaires are out of touch. Take Dwight from the office down to West Virginia, take him through those coal mining countries, take him through those places in Appalachia where people have extreme poverty and pills have ravished those areas. And that's a sad thing. It's everywhere now, Anthony added. The singer said poverty is a major issue in rural and urban areas throughout the nation, making the song resonate with so many Americans. I knew I needed to do this like I knew I needed to. I procrastinated with music a lot for a long time. I mean, I'm 31. I've been playing guitar and playing music on and off since I was a kid, Anthony said. And you know what, man? I hear you. That's why we make music. I've been playing music and writing songs as a little kid. I do not have anything close to anything close to Oliver Anthony. I meant I meant to say that twice. I do not we have not produced anything here at TimCast that comes close to anything that could even come close to what Oliver Anthony successfully pulled off with an, an amazing song with amazing lyrics and uh, 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 it's in, impeccable performance. Take a look at this. The lyrics to the song's chorus. I'm just going to say it again for you. Living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men north of Richmond. Lord knows they all just want to have total control. Want to know what you think. Want to know what you do. They don't think, you know, but I know that you do because your dollar ain't ish and it's taxed to no end because of rich men north of Richmond. Yeah, that that hit a lot of people, man. And he's a a working class guy singing about working class issues. And uh, I love this. Them calling out millionaires, smack talking billionaires. It's fantastic. But let's get to the core of the cultural debate. The New York Times says on their high horses, too many liberals disdain Oliver Anthony. That's right. Why wouldn't they? a working class, salt of the earth guy, blue collar guy out in Appalachia saying like, here's the things that I see. But the things he sees fly in the face of what the Democrats are trying to do. And it's funny because in this article, they basically point out that Republicans rushed full speed to embrace Oliver Anthony and Democrats shunned him. This is this is the way it goes. For whatever reason, the Trump camp people, for the most part, not all of them, play this game of if you say anything positive about us, we will welcome you in and encourage that flame. Whereas the left says, if you don't say everything in line with what we want, we will destroy you. And so think about what that means. The left will inevitably lose. Here's what we get from Nick Kristoff. He writes, What's wrong here? A self described high school dropout living in a camper with a tarp on the roof sings a plaintive cra- uh, Cri des Is that how you pronounce that? about blue collar workers being shafted by the wealthy. And it is right wing Republicans who rush to embrace him while Democrats wag their fingers and scold him for insensitivity. Huh? Have Democrats retreated so far from their working man roots that their knee jerk impulse is to dump on a blue collar guy who highlights folks in the street ain't got nothing to eat? Yes. Yes, Nick Kristoff. Yes. I grew up with a moderate left liberals. And that's where we were fighting for the working class, for the common folk. Now, I, as many others around me, always respected hard work. And there was a guy who was super rich. And we'd say one day, one day I will be there, too. I will work hard and I will prove it. Many of us made it. Not everybody did. The world can be cruel and unfair. But for the most part, the idea was this. The system of capitalism should lift all ships And if we come to the point of dramatic wealth inequality, we have a serious problem because lobbyists revolving door politics, the government empowering the corporations. That is not the way the system is supposed to work. But then what happened? The Democratic Party became the party of the revolving door politics, as exemplified here with Oliver Anthony. He says, if you've been on Mars for the last couple of weeks, I'm talking, of course, uh, I'm talking, of course, about Oliver Anthony, a country singer who a month ago was unknown and now had his song, Rich Men North of Richmond, soar from nowhere to the top of the Billboard Hot 100. I think he's the only person ever to debut at number one in the Hot 100 with no other charting history. I've been selling my soul, working all day, he laments. We know the song. It's a, it's a great song. He, uh, he says, in this case, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene labeled Rich Men the anthem of the forgotten Americans, and Fox News asked participants in the Republican debate to discuss it. Meanwhile, some of the left pounced as pounced on it as oh, I love this. The left pounced. There you go. you were finally getting them as right-wing propaganda and even as racist trash. Does the left really want to leave battered, angry workers to be defended by a GOP that periodically guts unions, targets Social Security, resists care coverage, and opposes increases in minimum wage? Oh boy, I got so much to rip apart. Nick Kristoff. It's funny that he is the same hoity-toity leftist liberal of wealth and means, but at least he can recognize he doesn't want to lose, and it's a losing position to oppose working-class people. Gut unions. Let's talk about what that means. I was in a union. I was in a couple. Did the union fight for us? Not in my experience. The union gave themselves cushy positions, taking money from us, and I wasn't a fan of it. However, I have also made attempts to form unions because there can be corrupt institutions across the board. Now, I can't speak for Republicans or any of this generic get rid of union stuff, but I can say not all unions are good. And there does need to be uh, accountability and reform for ones that are bad. The world is not perfect. Targets social security. I'm pretty sure that's a big lie. They just keep saying it over and over again as if it's true. Resists health care coverage. And what do you mean by that? They want to be private so the costs go down? That's the argument they're making. No one's making the argument that people should be denied health care outright. We're saying that you should be responsible for your own, and the cost would go down without regulation. Opposes increases in the minimum wage. The minimum wage, in my opinion, is the stupidest thing imaginable and should not exist. I I despise this concept. It makes no sense, and the only people who support it are people who don't actually, for the most part, understand basic economics and how businesses operate. It's it's a ridiculous idea. If you want to hire someone, you have to pay them at least this much. Well it doesn't do anything. It really doesn't. I suppose it's fair to say that it's a temporary solution ultimately leading to inflation because a business will have to increase its costs immediately to to, uh, have a minimum wage. But ultimately, what you really need is a functioning economy. So long as they're mass printing money and allowing people to flood through the southern border, I can understand why they want to use a temporary band-aid of minimum wage to force companies to pay more. Because with the massive influx of non-citizens and low-skill labor, it's driving wages down. So they put a Band-Aid on it. Anthony, who calls himself just an idiot, uh, just some idiot and his guitar, seemed taken aback by the assumption that he must be a right-winger. He said a song was meant to blast politicians on both sides. And you know, I had someone message me saying that I was wrong, and the Joe Rogan podcast proves Oliver Anthony understands politics. He doesn't. But I'm not saying he has to. My point is that he's a regular dude. He's a working class guy. And that's what he saw. And now with this article, we exemplify exactly that point. There's a reason why the left does not like Oliver Anthony, because he's right wing. Sorry, by their definition. Sure, you can call the guy a liberal. You can talk about his politics when it pertains to abortion or health care or whatever. Doesn't matter. Left and right do not mean whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, as exemplified by my show. Oliver Anthony fights for the working class, complains about his money being taken from him. It's, his dollar's not worth anything. That's the problem. The neo-libs and the neocons, the typical establishment and left, want to tax you. They, AOC talks about deficit spending for health care, which would massively drive infl- an, an, an insane increase, or, uh, increase in inflation, devaluing of the dollar. You think your dollar's not worth anything now? Wait until you get AOC's deficit spending plan. So what he's inherently saying as a regular person noticing problems is that he opposes the left. So they're not going to embrace him. They need him to be racist so they can stop those ideas, so they can lie and convince you they're not lying. That's what they do. Seriously. And you get it. We had this funny story recently where these, uh, I won't say too much, but these leftists are attacking, you know, Tim Cast as they normally do. But it's crazy because the lies they put out are just so insanely obviously not true to anybody who even goes to our website one time. And it's just like people just fall in line and believe it. That's all they have. Join the cult. Don't defy us and believe the lies. So when Oliver Anthony comes out saying I'm not involved in politics, says these ideas, of course, they're going to attack him because he's going to wake people up. But hey, bravo on getting on Joe Rogan, man. I'm a big fan. I love that song, Rich Men North of Richmond. It's really good. And uh, I want to I cover it now. I just learn, Not like put out a video. I just want to learn how to play it. It'd be really fun. But uh, I'll wrap it up there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It is about time that we exposed the Biden conspiracy. If you watch Tim IRL, you saw us talk about this a little bit. The Biden, Biden conspiracy. I, I love this stuff because it's just so silly. Basically, you have these old posts where they compare uh, images of Biden a long time ago to images of Biden now. And they're like, he's different. Look at this. The C-SPAN tweet says he's a different guy. He looks different than he used to. And then you have this tweet from Trump where he says, uh, smiled when he called Swamp Man Joe Biden a low IQ individual and worse. So the theory is this is a different guy. It's not Joe Biden. They swapped him out for some reason that. I'm sorry. Just like makes no sense. I got news for everybody. We're going to have to uh, slow down there on this conspiracy theory and debunk it. Now, what does debunking truly mean? Does it mean we know for uh, 100% that something is not true? No. It just means that, my friends, it's simple. Joe Biden got a whole bunch of nasty ass plastic surgery and looks goofy. And that's it. You can explain it all. There's people saying that like his ear is now connected. Yeah. What were they calling it? That happens when you get a bad facelift and they peel your skin back. All right. Here's the the story from the Daily Mail. Plastic surgeon claims Joe Biden has spent $100,000 on wrinkle filler, teeth whitening, and hair transplants. He's not wrong. I saw this image and I was like, oh, it's the Biden by Dan conspiracy again. Oh, wait. How to build a president. I just love this stuff. Hair filled in. Botox to fix the lines, skin pulled back for facelift, reduced lower eyelids. Jeez, eye bags removed. It's just so awful. There you go. Look at this. A Different guy,
0: huh? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: His nose looks mostly the same, but he maybe even got a nose job. The surgeon, who has never met or treated Mr. Biden, said if the president had undergone these procedures, he would have spent about six figures in today's rates on facial rejuvenation. Dr. Modiki has nearly 200,000 followers on Instagram, giving him considerable reach. The president is not the first public figure he has weighed, on in, weighed in on. The surgeon has speculated on many celebrities' alleged cosmetic tweaks, including the reggaeton star Bad Bunny had his jaw surgically enhanced. Musician Adam Levine and actor Donald Glover had secret hair transplants, and actress Emily Blunt either had fillers or fat grafting done to make her face appear fuller and more heart-shaped. Huh. I'm sorry, man. I've never, I've just, I've never understood this. I just don't care. And, you know, maybe to my own disadvantage, I suppose, if I got a bunch of plastic surgery done, maybe I'd get more views, but I literally don't care. I got, like, a blemish on my face. I got, my teeth are crooked. Uh, I have no hair. To be fair, though, guys... If you look at, like, when I was in that show, A Thousand Ways to Die, and my old skate videos, I always wore the beanie. It's just like a fashion thing. I don't know. And now it's part of the brand. It is what it is. But uh, I, I'm, I would never consider getting any kind of, like, cosmetic surgery. I don't understand what people do. No matter who you are, I just don't get it. It's weird to me. Whatever. Joe Biden clearly got a ton of plastic surgery. That, that's it. That, that explains the biden by Dan thing. They're like, he looks so different. Yeah, the dude got a bunch of crazy plastic surgery. Look at this. Look how nasty he looks. He's an old man. But I ain't got no beef with people looking old and being old. In fact, I think people who age and naturally look old look better than people who get plastic surgery. But there's your real your your reality there. By Dan is just Joe Biden after a ton of plastic surgery. Look at this. Is Biden addicted to plastic surgery? Addicted. I love that. At this point, I doubt the dude is actually getting a bunch of plastic surgery. But I think this guy's completely right about him having gotten it. He says he has the same look to the upper brow and upper eyes where there's an unnatural appearance to the lines. If you look at his brow line on the side, normally they would come like this and come down slightly. But on him, we see they're turned up and going this way and drew an invisible line with his finger from the corner of his eye past his temple. Doctor, am I pronouncing it right? modicai? then highlighted a black and white photo of a young Biden taken between 30 to 50 years old next to a recent photo, both close ups of his left cheek to show taut, smooth skin from the corner of his mouth to his ear, where it looks like at some point he had a facelift. It's just so nasty. All of it. I just say no to all of it. He added that throughout the years. Mr. Biden has probably done touch ups with Botox and fillers. But overall, I think he had a significant amount of plastic surgery throughout the year. I love that meme where it's like, Imagine going back 30 years and telling people that at one point Roseanne would be more attractive than Madonna. And it's funny because Madonna got a bunch of crazy plastic surgery, which makes makes her look weird and shocking to the average person. And Roseanne just looks to have aged normally and gracefully, so she appears to be an older woman. And there's like there's there's this thing about it. Uh, Maybe maybe uh, prettier or more attractive. I don't know what the right word is. Looks better. I would not say. That, like, in my view, I find elderly people attractive. Sorry, I just don't. I'm attracted to people closer to my own age, as most people are. But it is fair to say you can look at a person and say they are ugly or not. And that's entirely the point. Madonna looks off-putting. I'm trying to be very nice. The surgery does not play well. She is weird-looking, and it is off-putting. And I mean that not to be mean, but come on, man. You're in your 60s. You don't, don't, Don't get that crazy surgery. And Roseanne looks like a normal woman so she looks substantially better. Sorry, that's just the truth. Joe Biden, he looks goofy. He's always looked goofy. Everybody knows he looks goofy. It is what it is. This guy getting all that plastic surgery. Last month, Republican Congressman Greg Murphy from North Carolina said Mr. Biden had undergone so much plastic surgery and has so much filler. Four years ago, several plastic surgeons insisted the president spruced himself up with cosmetic procedures before launching his 2020 campaign. Do you know why Joe Biden was uh, calling a lid and campaigning from the basement. I'd say it's a combination of things. One, the dude's tired. He also probably got a bunch of plastic surgery. And so he just would stay in while recovering. Not to mention all sorts of rejuvenation stuff, which is just so creepy. There was that photo where he had the IV marks on his hand. I'm willing to bet Joe Biden gets NAD. NAD boost, nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide, IV drip. You may have heard Joe Rogan talk about it. Look, man, I wouldn't be surprised if he was doing all sorts of crazy rejuvenation stuff and on a whole bunch of uppers, as well as getting plastic surgery. The dude needs to retire. Then, of course, we can talk about Mitch McConnell and his brain shattering. We got too many old people in politics, right? I suppose I could just talk about this because it kind of brings up the same point. You know, this was brutal. You guys saw the video where mitch mcconnell just freezes up i want to highlight something in this and we'll just talk about 2010 did it 2012 go back go back there we go okay look at this you see him gripping the side of the podium
0: as he sways back
1: and forth he's not speaking they're coming up to him and they're like did you hear the questions like yes and then he just doesn't say anything look man between biden needing to get all this crazy surgery between Mitch McConnell having micro seizures or whatever it is people want to call them. We got way too many old people in political office. And I don't know what the answer is because they're desperately clinging to power like some kind of, I don't know, barnacle latched to the bottom of the ship of this country. And we're trying to scrape them off, but they won't go away. To be fair, it's partly our fault because we keep voting for these people. Now, by all means, criticize Donald Trump, call him old. He is. And I'd prefer somebody else. This is one of the reasons why I was supporting DeSantis a year ago. But man, DeSantis's campaign has really, wow, fallen. And where we're at right now is people just keep voting for everybody. To be fair, Donald Trump is a bit more spry than Joe Biden. And uh, there's, there's a video of him playing golf and he like throws a ball in the air and catches it. And it's like, for a portly fellow like him who eats lots of McDonald's, he seems to be doing a lot better than Joe Biden and uh, a bunch of these other guys, Mitch McConnell. Grant McConnell's got like 10 years on. Actually, no, he's 81. Really? McConnell's 80? Trump's like almost 80. Compare Mitch McConnell to Trump and it's kind of nuts. I don't know what Trump is doing, but Trump seems to be, despite not being in good shape, in better shape than many of these other guys. Look, even Joe Biden falling up the stairs several times. It's just weird. I don't know, man. A lot of people have talked about upper age limits for Congress, and perhaps that's the answer. But then what? Like you get a Ron Paul, and maybe, maybe it's 80. You know, we had, we had Ron Paul on uh, Timcast IRL several months ago, and it was an honor and a privilege. But to be fair, Ron is clearly not where he, he used to be. He's, he's, he has a harder time hearing. He's a lot older. And so well, it is what it is. People get old. It would have been awesome to have sat down with, with, uh, with uh, Dr. Paul when he was in his prime, or even at least into his you know, 50s or so. But he's, he's an older fellow now. And so I can recognize that even though I would love to have Ron Paul in office forever, you know, sometimes people get too old. We're fortunate enough that there is a a progeny of Ron Paul in Rand Paul, who does a great job as well. We're big fans, questioning Fauci and all the things he's done. But I don't know, man. Maybe what we're seeing is we need the age limits or something. Whatever. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then. In a viral video, we see a man talking to a woman where this woman says that she didn't even waste her time. The moment she sits down with the guy in a date, she says, show me your bank account. And it's led to a big controversy and debate over whether or not it is appropriate for a woman to ask a man to show her his bank account. Oh, man, I'm not so sure I'm angry at this lady. I'm not so sure that I actually care that she's saying it. In fact, I actually kind of respect that she's saying it. If the traditional roles of men and women are being upheld by someone, then fine, whatever. Women want guys with power, status, confidence, money. Men want beautiful women. If a guy finds someone attractive and she's all like, do you have money? Can you support me? Valid question. Think about, uh, let's, let's, let's read the story and we'll see what they have to say. But then uh, uh, I think it's interesting that we, we, we debate this idea because I will make the argument that a woman demanding to know the financial status of the man is a traditional value. Dude, it used to be dowries. It used to be that the the, the father would give permission to the man to marry his daughter, and then he would transfer a dowry to the man. Here's what, Here's what they say. An influencer has divided online opinion after revealing that she asks men for their bank account information on the first date. Sophia Franklin, 30, a content creator from New York, admitted. I've asked the last three dudes I've dated for their bank account info on the first dates. I mean, now, hold on. If you're saying you want their routing number and account number for like transfers, I can totally understand why that's not OK. If she's saying I want to see how much money you've got, different question. You know what I mean? She explained that she only wants to date a wealthy guy that has money and that uh, and wants to know if she's wasting her time. I think, you know, I have a job. I'm very successful. She told her podcast, Sophia with an F, with the latest episode featuring uh, Leo Skeppy. So I think I have every effing right to be like, hi, are we on the same level or am I wasting my time? I wouldn't want to be with a woman like that. Fine. Like someone who's like, prove to me you have money. But I think there's a bigger question on dating that that, that, that should be asked here outside of whether or not money and looks and all that stuff matters. I think what matters in a relationship is a familial bond. That is made between two individuals who are uh, right. So you become a family. It's it's really interesting when you're a kid, right? And both of your parents, they're both related to you. And then like you get older and you start to learn about the birds and the bees. And you realize like these were people were two strangers at one point, but now are related and have produced blood bonds. Like it's, it's an interesting concept, right? you looking at your parents. They're both related to you, but they're not related to each other, except They've developed that familial bond together and created a family. That's the most important thing. Do you feel it? I don't like this rigid, socioeconomic, logic-based relationship-forming kind of stuff. I care more about a combination of all factors with the dominant factor being, do we enjoy each other? Do we have that bond with each other? So I I don't think it matters if someone's making money or not, so long as you enjoy them as who they are. But there does need to be some like I, I can fully respect if you enjoy being around somebody it's like a guy and he won't work and doesn't make any money. That relationship ain't going nowhere. In the full episode shared to YouTube, Leo clarified if Sophia was asking for their login details to which she said, yeah, and pulled up a screenshot of the bank account of one man she was interested in. I don't think it's weird to ask for that kind of information on a first date. The influencer stressed she wants to know the bank account details, especially if they're under five foot ten. I think it's fine. I wouldn't give someone my bank account credentials on the first date uh, and whatever. But she's, she can ask for it. And you, if you don't want to be with someone like that, then don't. That's it. She's allowed She's allowed to want the things she wants. You can criticize. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying, yeah, whatever. You know, She's allowed to be the person she wants to be. And maybe guys will like it. Maybe they won't. She goes, I do that. And if they don't show me, I'll still go on like a second or third date. But I need to know at a certain point. A lot of people think that's just crazy of me to do. I don't think that's crazy. Also, I'm 30. I'm not, really trying, uh, I'm not really trying to just date and F around. You see, now here's where it gets interesting. Viewers seeing a snippet of the clip on TikTok have mixed reactions as some urge Sophia to look deeper into happiness and relations, whereas others insisted her take was valid. Does love and genuine connection just not exist anymore? One question. Podcast equipment needs to be less accessible, another slammed. That's a good one. She says, I'm not joking. All right, fair point. To clarify, Her saying she wants the login credentials, kind of weird, but I think she's allowed to ask for those things. Dude, if you're looking to spend your life with someone and you're like, here are my terms, it is honorable and respectable, in my opinion, that she asks up front because heaven forbid she withholds these demands that she wants, these desires. And then later on, she's like, now that we're in a relationship, we're going to get married. I want your details. And he's like, "Uh, I'm not going to do that. Like, not right now, at least. To be fair, like if you're getting married, you probably will. You're going to share your financials. It's kind of weird that you don't. But I think it's better that she's up front with people because then she'll date a guy and she says, I want your details. And he says, I'm not interested. And she goes, then I'm not interested in being in a relationship like this is great. Neither of us have wasted our time. It reminds me of that song by um, uh, Panic at the Disco. You remember that old song from the 2000s? What is it called? I remember what it's called. Is it I, I write sins, not tragedies? I don't know where it's like the one where it's like. I chime in with, "Haven't you ever heard of closing the goddamn door?" He's like, "You know, our our marriage is saved." Basically, like before the marriage happens, he realizes that the br- the, the the bride is cheating, and so now it's like we've we've not wasted each other's time, right? That's what I see with this. I, I, whatever. People who have money don't usually gloat about having money or seek to be on the same level as someone. A third added. However, many were in agreement with Sophia calling the inf- influencer iconic. My fiance and I are, are matched equally One added, but if I were single, I would need that person to be on my level. I agree with her for the most part. Absolutely 300 percent agree. You deserve to have a man on the same level as you. What they really mean is marry up. But I want to say something, ma'am, you're 30. OK, uh, in the in the dating market, guys with money and bank accounts that you're interested in looking at, they're probably going for 24 year olds. Look at Leo. Leonardo DiCaprio famously stops dating women around that same age. Is it 24 or something like that? Although I think he he may have recently broken the trend, probably because he saw the criticism and he probably thought to himself like, yeah, but yeah, successful, famous multimillionaire superstar is going to date young women. So this guy meets up with this uh, 30-year-old woman and she's like, I want your bank account. He's going to be like, lady, you're 30, right? Show me your birth certificate. Also equally valid. I I think... You know, my response would be if I, I, I'm not in the dating pool nor the market, but were I to be, my response would be like, yeah, yeah, I can provide that for for you. Would you, would you mind first though, if I can weigh you, uh, we can go back to my place. I have a scale. I want to know how much you weigh. And then what could she say? No, I'd imagine she'd be like, okay, right. You want to know what you're getting. I want to know what I'm getting. Not kind of relationship that I would appreciate being in, but I think it's valid if people are being upfront about what they expect in a relationship. I guess people are more so mad at the idea that women are like they want men who are rich and they want men who are tall. And there's a lot of guys who are not rich and not tall and they feel excluded by this. So they just, you know, women and men get angry about not being as the most being the most desirable. Look, go to any Walmart. Love is real. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to be mean to these like morbidly obese individuals, but that's the joke they make. Like you go to Walmart, you can see that love is real. There are some like There's a man and woman both riding in rascals with their kids, riding in rascals behind them. And you're like, you can find it if you try. You know, people can can fall in love. It is a lot harder in this day and age with uh, social media apps and dating apps that make it really easy for women to get access to a massive pool of men. And then these guys basically bang every woman. And then, you know, this is why we're seeing more male virginity. And why we're seeing males often not become, uh, find relationships and becoming incels and things like this. But that's just kind of how things were a long time ago before the advent of like social traditions. Not saying it's a good thing that this happening. It's actually, it's actually kind of a bad thing. But where we're at now is this lady, she's going to sit down with a guy and she's going to be like, I want your bank account details. And he's gonna be like, okay, he's going to show her and she's gonna be like, wow, he's got a lot of money. And he's like, let's go back to my place. They're going to hook up. He's going to go into his bank, change the password and then say, I'll see you next time. And he will never call her back. And she'll just have given it up just because you have to look at a number. So there's got to be more to it. They say for Ella Freeman, a dating coach from New York, being with someone who isn't generous with his wallet is, is not an option. But she insisted it's not because she's more hungry. Instead, the 24 year old explained that she believes potential suitors should always cover the entire check because she has high standards and knows what she brings to the table. By splitting the bill, I'm agreeing to form a connection with a man who doesn't know his role in a relationship and expects me to be 50% of the man he's not. I've learned that men who split the bill don't value the time and effort a woman puts into herself to look her best for that man. I actually, I agree with that. Not completely, but a lot of guys probably don't get it. You're a guy, you shower, you put on a nice shirt, you go to your date. Women takes like a half an hour or more. They're putting on makeup. They're doing their hair. They're trying to, they're putting a ton of effort into looking really good. That being said, there are a lot of women that go on dates because they're hungry and it is what it is. You can be one of those guys who's fall, who falls for that. Say la vie. Ultimately, I guess my, my point on all this, my position where it stands is women are allowed to have demands. Men are also allowed to have demands. So if a guy came out, but, and I'll make this point. If a guy made a video where he says, before I agree to go on a second date with a woman, I ask her to stand on a scale. I pull out, I pull out a scale from my briefcase and I say, stand on this because if you weigh more than X, we're not having another date. And they'd be like, oh, how dare you? Oh man, they'd lose their minds. If you're if you're okay with this, then you should be okay with a guy weighing her. Whatever. Look, I, I think she I think people should be allowed to do what they want for their own standards. It's free country. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up, uh, six PM today. Or oh, wait, no, no, no. Eight PM. Because I record these ones early for Friday. Eight PM over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.